Windsor, Windsor Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley Reading, Reading Okay! Ta-da! The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley Hello and welcome to another Let's Do Lunch with me, Jenny Tishy. And uh, today I am joined by a good friend and colleague of mine, Joe Keys. Both of us involved in the world of food and healthy food at that, yes. albeit that we do sometimes enjoy other food, don't we, Joe? <laughs> we enjoy all food. <laughs> well, all I food do. is good food. Um, but today we've chosen a very particular topic, and that's because it's something that's pertinent to us both as professionals in our world of nutrition and health, but also as parents. Uh, mm. I think we've all discovered that one's relationship with food and that is what we're going to be discussing today is a very unique thing and we want to really kind of delve a little bit deeper into what a healthy relationship with food actually is um so joe let's start and as i do with every guest each week let's talk about your food backstory because we've all got one yes is it interesting are there connections to childhood foods flavors textures that are pertinent to you even now yeah do tell yeah all of the above really um yeah well I've always loved food at the end of the day I mean I think that's that's where we start um and mostly the eating part of it up until (laughs) the last sort of five ten five seven years um but yeah I, I've always loved food I've always loved eating um and never been a fussy eater as as a kid um you know I remember you know I was brought up um mum was a baker more than a cook um so I was definitely brought up with more of the sweet foods um and had a very sweet tooth as a child and I still do I still love a sweet treat um, they're slightly different to what they used to be um and uh, so mum was, as I say, more of a baker, and but the foods that she would cook would be very uh, traditionally English. So we're talking spag bol, you know, a roast, uh, shepherd's pie, which are all still firm family favourites. But I don't ever remember mum cooking anything sort of exotic or, or spicy. You know, Chinese was for takeaways and she didn't like spicy food and didn't really like a curry. So there was none of that. I, I just um, have to stop you. I love that um, you said traditionally English and the yeah. first thing you said was spag bol. Well, yes. <laughs> you know, it's quite ironic though isn't it I mean that's how things have changed from one generation to the other because I remember my grandparents thinking that pasta was too foreign Uh. too odd for them and now you know obviously we did grow up with things like spag bol and definitely you know and then if you think about our children's generation last week on um, the show I had Tom Waller who's a local food videographer and photographer and he was saying you know he grew up with sort of beige food really but that the previous evening his son had been um, fed a, a chicken larb for supper and he oh. was really enjoying it and I said well what's the difference you know it's I suppose the way that we're exposed to uh, more things these days definitely and I think there's you know there's so much more variety and and so much more access um you know and and sadly made convenient as well because maybe you know back when I'm talking about when I was growing up there you know convenience food um, was definitely there but possibly not the variety that we now have access to um I mean mum would never you know we weren't she didn't she did always cook from scratch um but you know as as I continued my sort of food backstory um you know when I then then when I left home I didn't uh you know I didn't ever go down ready meals routes but I wasn't very, I didn't really know my way around a kitchen so it was very much convenience but I you know I mean I would buy sauces instead of being able to make my own because I didn't really know how to. Can I Um, ask how much um, of your kind of time and energy and maybe even money went into trying to understand or at least make healthier purchases at that stage. I asked that because I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, the River Cafe mm. podcast with um, Victoria Beckham. Oh, right. And 
she I think uh, it's okay Joe to say that we're about the same age and she's yes. about the same age yes. as we are too <laughs> and when she talked about when she first moved in with the Spice Girls the sorts of things that they had, all of the brand names that she talked mm. about and the low-fat yogurts and the noodles oh, yes. the instant noodles and things I was like yep tick yep tick yep. so how did we get from having home-cooked meals to this relationship with food I guess it's budget related right but to eating it is that familiar with you um I wouldn't say yeah I, yeah it is familiar to me because um it was I would you know I was working there and I I didn't feel I had time and it certainly wasn't something I thought that I enjoyed doing cooking so I wouldn't you know that wouldn't be something that I would have ever thought about spending time doing it would be um you know certainly didn't plan meals or plan cooking or anything like that it was popped to the supermarket on the way home what do I fancy um and you know it would be things like you know quick and easy stir fry with with noodles or um you know uh, those sort of tortellini pastas with a bought sauce you know and and the the stir fry would be a you know a sweet and sour sauce that I bought you know and it'd be things like that or a or a curry that you know a sauce it was always something with a sauce that yeah. I wouldn't make so yeah. that was kind of where my convenience came in um and I never really thought about it it was just what did I fancy um, and would you say at that stage your relationship with food was more like it was fuel or uh, would you say you kind of actively looked forward to it and even though you weren't yeah. involved in the process of making it the process of kind of putting it together at the end of the day that was something you looked forward to no it was just the eating yeah. at the time uh, <laughs> just if the I'm completely honest eating. yeah w- without a shadow of a doubt um the 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 learning uh, to having a passion for cooking and healthy eating didn't come until much much later on um yeah. you know I <laughs> I've struggled with my weight uh, from a teenager's um, until I really started to understand that um, becoming healthy was not about weight. Um, and I had to, and you know, that was a light bulb moment for me. And that didn't come till very, very late on, you know. It's a big one that, isn't it? It's Massive. a very big one, I think, particularly as parents, yeah. the whole idea that health has to come first and that weight is not health. No, H- health is about uh, what's going on on the inside, not what we look like on the outside. Um, and until people make that connection and really, truly believe that, I think it's very difficult for, for people to to take that journey uh, in in the right direction um you know and i am as guilty as the next to having um been like that for many many years you know my my health journey was all about weight from the age of about 14 um and i didn't really make that connection until uh well it was after cole was born so you know and he's 11 now so you know literally the last 10 10 to 15 years probably it's a long time isn't it to have had that yeah I mean how would you describe that how would you describe that relationship um it's it really was just all about weight for me because Mm. I you know I was always I'd always struggled with my weight I was the biggest girl in my peer group all the way through my teens um and and that's how it was you know Mm. I also suffered with polycystic ovaries doesn't um, help which doesn't help insulin sensitivity yeah yeah so you know that obviously comes from the um uh, the barrel of biscuits I used to eat when I come home from school every single day. And mm. I'm not talking a couple of biscuits, I'm talking the whole barrel, um, you know, and things like that. You know, those were the the things that I did. Those were the habits that I had then. Um, and then, you know, it's it wasn't until I started to learn more about um, how my body works um, and um, being inspired by by different sort of health cooks um, and and started to learn how to cook. In fact, you know, having met you and going to one of your very, very early workshops, I remember when and seeing your Thermomix, if I'm honest, I that was probably the first time I ever saw a Thermomix. And then when I finally bought one, that's what gave me the inspiration and the confidence to learn to cook or experiment with cooking. I was cooking by then, but didn't really, you know, have a passion for it. But mm. I, once I had the Thermomix, I kind of experimented a bit more. And it was at the same time I was learning more about how to eat more healthily and how my body worked, which then led on to, to retraining as a chef. Um, you know, so it's, that's amazing. I love that story. Yeah, I really do. And, and it wasn't until, you know, and at the end of the day, sort of talking about that health weight thing, um, when the light bulb went on, I and, and I stopped thinking about the weight and just started to eat healthily, my body readjusted itself and found its own equilibrium of, of weight. Um, and, and the weight, the extra weight that I clearly didn't need was 
came off fairly easily and has, has stayed off. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, in our kind of lead up to mm. this uh, show today, we were talking about our own personal stories. Mm. And I think um, as our children today, we would say are overexposed perhaps to social media and the mm. pressures of a particular image. I still think we had that to a degree in a different media format yeah, in our days. Definitely. Um, but we also had this uh, overriding message of low fat is good. And yep. that was a huge driver, I think, for a lot. I mean, I, I had the same issue. So even though I had sport as a focus and that probably kept me focused on performance for a long period of time and not really worried about weight at all because mm. I was, you know, burning up a lot playing yeah. high level sport. I did find when I went to university that I gained quite a bit of weight. And for whatever reason, let's say there was also some, in addition to a not, not very good diet, there was also not very good drinking habits, I would imagine too. <laughs> I ironically go with the sport. But anyway, um, and I found myself um, sort of overreacting to that. And then one of the things that we all talked about then was, you know, low fat diets, mm -hmm. a thousand calorie a day diets. Mm -hmm. And I got to the stage where I'd lost too much and okay. you know the key as a woman is that your periods stop yeah. and that's what I had for five months and it was only yeah. when I went to see a GP and the GP said actually you're going to cause yourself some damage in the long term and I was like whoa I don't want to do yeah. that but I sort of fought my way back and luckily yeah. I was living in France at the time they have an amazing relationship with food yeah. and I was able to look around me and also living amongst other European students and go Oh, wow. Okay. So it's all about eating together. It's yeah. all about cooking together. It doesn't really have to be this focus on micronutrients and macronutrients. Mm -hmm. It's about the behaviours that yeah. go with it. Would you say that was something that you sort of learned as well? Or would you uh, say you had to go down the micronutrient, macronutrient nutrient path to get to that healthy relationship? For me, yes, it was it was learning about how my body worked and uh, and, and what... I put in my mouth and how that reacted within my body. So more the sort of sciencey route um, or the biological route um, to learn uh, what I needed to put in my body to make it work efficiently and effectively. And what I was putting in my body before wasn't helping my body work co correctly. Yeah, um, and I was possibly putting things in which were inflaming my body um, and upsetting my sugar blood sugar balances and things like that so it was learning those things that changed what I wanted to eat mm. and once I changed what I wanted to eat um, it, you know the, as I say the, the weight just kind of found its own its own equilibrium you know and Brilliant. it's and it, like I say when it's working on the inside then it'll work on the outside for you as well you know the the, the whole sort of um what you look like on the outside you know uh, as a as a younger sort of going through teenagers it's al also about how you feel about yourself isn't it and and how you think other people look at you and think about you because you don't conform to to what in your own head should be the norm you know mm. it's and that's where the sort of if, if you know I don't like to call it a relationship with food because you can't really have a relationship with an inanimate object so <laughs> some I, people I, try oh yeah yeah um <laughs> that's a, interesting, another, yeah, another that's show a different show um so it's really more about um what people's thoughts and feelings are around themselves that they wrap up in what they put on their plate and how they look and how they feel. Um, it's not about the relationship they have with food. It's how it's their feelings and their emotions that, that they attach to food. So I, I was going to ask you about that. So you've worked and we've, we've talked about ourselves mm. and, and our backgrounds, which I think have probably led us to where we are, which mm, is quite interesting. Probably. You don't have to go as far as we have. <laughs> no, yeah. um, but it, you've worked with quite a few people from lots of different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, you run a course um, on the connection between your kind of food habits and yeah. creating better yeah. food habits um, through the food itself, but also uh, some of the techniques that you can use, the, the mind techniques that you yeah. can use to create that. So without going into sort of, you know, personal details or giving personal details away of, of other people that you've worked with, but could you give the listeners some idea of the sorts of cases that you've dealt with and, and how you've dealt with them? Yeah, I mean, I think that the mo that there's a, a few sort of common commonalities that, that often come up. Um, and I think one of the biggest ones is that 
that people are either feel that they're on it or they're off it. And it's this whole which ends up being wrapped up in some kind of yo-yo dieting or risk too restrictive or and that which then leads to, leads to binging. Um, there's no balance. Um, you know, people feel that they have to restrict themselves to to reach the goals that they're trying to achieve. Um and then, as I say, they become too restrictive, which then leads to a, a binge afterwards. Um, but it's it's just trying to get um, get past that and, and find a balance of a, a norm. You know, we, we shouldn't be on it or off it. It should just be what we eat. Yeah. And it's very slowly changing those um, those habits, um, which may be stopping people achieve what they're trying to achieve in in terms of health or weight or both hopefully at the same time and it's changing those those small habits over a long term there is no magic pill this isn't going to happen overnight if you want something to, if we're talking about long-term sustainable health it is small changes over a, a over a period of time um and so how we deal with that is um is first of all getting people to um sort of using nlp techniques um so i work with a, an nlp practitioner on this on this course and this membership um is just getting describe what nlp is for anybody so that hasn't heard of it before <laughs> it's neuro-linguistic programming so um it's it's learning to become aware of how we think and how we talk to ourselves um about about sort of everything in life really um so you know so what the first thing that we do with them is is get them to become aware of what they're doing you know that is step one is you can't change anything until you really know what's going on so bring some awareness to what you're doing what your habits are and then you can start to 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 identify areas where you want to make changes um and then you have to take responsibility for what you're doing. Um, and, you know, it's a bit of tough love sometimes. And, and and you have to, you know, once you've taken responsibility, you can start to change those choices. And at the end of the day, they are just choices. Yeah, They're choices that you're making that you're in control of. And then that becomes empowering. Because That's once it. you can take control, you are then you know well on your way to to being able to make those changes for the long term and in terms of that accountability the people that you work with do you tend to work with them one-on-one or in groups um both um you know so the the menu in mind course um which you know leads into a a, a sort of membership program is is done as a group um in a group situation um, but then within that, you know, within the membership, they get time one to one with us and they, you know, we're at their disposal to ask questions and things like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a combination of both. And I think that the the great thing about the group scenario is that everyone has very similar things or they can always find someone that, you know, who's trying to do a similar thing or has been through similar things and they learn from each other yeah. and they support each other. You know, mm. we're all trying, you know, they may have different goals, but some, sometimes, you know, the steps that we need to take to, to get to them are the same. It's interesting because one of the reasons that so many of the very well-known uh, weight loss programs mm-hmm. seem to work, mm-hmm. at least in the short run, exactly. um, is because of the accountability, this belonging to yeah. a group and knowing that each week you're going to rock on up and you're going to share with the group how well or not you've done Done. and that yeah. is going to mean that you are more likely to uh you know be yeah, <laughs> more strict perhaps on. the following week and so on and so yeah. forth that's probably one of the things that these have in common but that's where it ends right because yeah. I think one of the things that you probably find if people have come from some of the more well-known programs they have unrealistic expectations of how quickly things are going to change would you say that's the case absolutely um you know <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but there is no magic pill. Um, I say this so many times. Um, there is, and there is no one size fits all. That's the other thing is that you've got to learn to to listen to your body um, and uh, adapt as time goes on. Because what might have been working five years ago for you may not be working now. Our bodies, our environments, our lives change, um, and our bodies need different things to nourish them in the right way for that particular time. So you know, you may have cracked it before on you know whatever it is you know the path that you've been on but that might not work uh you know 10 years down the line five years down the line especially for us women our hormones change and and we need to we need to respond to that absolutely well look uh, we're going to listen to a tune you've chosen a tune by jamira choir we're going to come back after that we'll have a little chat about that 
you know, that connection and, and why things do change over the period of time and therefore how our relationship with food might change over time too in accordance with what our body is demanding. Oh, what we're living in, let me tell you. And it's a world that men can eat at all With things that big that should be small Who can tell what magic spells we'll be doing for us And I'm giving up my life to this world only to be told I can see, I can breathe No, not where we'll be And nothing's gonna change the way we live Cause we can always click but never give And now the things are changing for the worst See, whoa, it's a crazy world we're living in And I just can't see that half of us Immersed in sin is all we have to give these pictures live and kicking yeah. I was going to say this morning this afternoon wherever we are I, I don't it. know where we are in the day <laughs> it's sunny that's it's all insanity. I know it's insanity it is insanity so welcome back um, this is Let's Do Lunch I'm Jenny Tishi. I'm a nutritionist and author of several cookery books and um, this podcast is all about food and nutrition and today we have the lovely Joe Keys with us and we're talking about relationship with food now Joe, this is something that you work in it's an area that you work in um, as a naturopathic chef Am I getting uh-huh. that right? Naturopathic chef. Um, yeah, I've known Joe for, for a very long time, yes. but this is quite a specialist area in terms of the connection that you had, that we have with food and the connection that we have with eating healthy food and how that changes over time. So just before um, or earlier in the show, we were talking about how hormones actually have an effect mm. on our bodies over time and how strategies that we may have used when we were younger to try and manage our, let's say, weight, but what we hopefully mean is health, don't yeah. necessarily apply when we get older how's that manifested in in the people that you've worked with joe uh well 
A lot of the clients that I have um, are sort of perimenopausal age, coming up to menopause, um, and have 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 maybe also uh, yo-yo dieted a lot in the past, and that's kind of. Uh, upset the balance a little bit sometimes um in their thyroids and their and their um and their hormone balance generally um and also sort of talking about blood sugar balances that's kind of a little bit off whack as well um and so you know that you know but they go back to what they've done before which is a great thing if they know they've done something before that's worked for them they can pull on those um pull on those experiences um, to know that they can do it but what often happens if they go back to exactly what they were doing before and it doesn't work that has a, a kind of a negative um, impact on them but what people have to understand is that what might have worked in the past may not be right for them anymore in terms of the way that their body's working um, and in terms of their hormone balances. It's, so it's tweaking those things, but also to have um, a bit more of a, an awareness of how their actual lives are in comparison to how they used to be. You know, they might go back to something that they did um, maybe just after they had a had a baby um, and they wanted to lose baby weight, if, if we're talking about that. Um, but actually now their lives are completely different to that. They're not, you know, up, up in the night, um, lifting babies, taking them out for a walk, you know, being very active with toddlers or whatever. Um, they may be a lot more sedentary now um, than they were then. So it, it's not just about what, you put in your body it's having the whole overview of where you live how you live and what you do on a day-to-day basis and and becoming really aware of that and then making the tweaks um and, and listening to your body and learning to listen to your body and trusting your body and trusting that you know your body better than anyone else and nobody else can tell you there is no one size fits all I probably said that a hundred times in this <laughs> podcast and every other one I've ever done um, but you have to learn to listen to your body and trust your body and make adjustments um you know in accordance with that really it's a really really good point so uh, we, just in the break there we were having a little chat about that and I think as you do get older there's a very it's easy to blame the change in hormones which yep. does happen yep. you know I mean I, they say in the UK the average age of menopause is 53 but for many many years before <laughs> that things start to change and they yeah. start to change quite dramatically and I know from you know the work that I do there's this brief period where your progesterone levels have fallen and your estrogen levels haven't fallen as quickly and so you've got this estrogen dominance and that yeah. does affect it affects weight it affects mood it affects yeah. so many different things sleep. so it's, it's and sleep included and it's easy to blame that um, on this change that we have in this relationship with food or at least the way in which food reacts with our body but actually like you say if you put together this whole picture which is well so what's your job now versus Mm -hmm. what your job 10 years ago was when you last tried to do what you're trying to do now and how active are you? You know, yeah. are you doing the same level of resistance training? And what I mean is, it didn't have to be in the gym, but are we? No. <laughs> resistance training could be changing a nappy. You yeah. know, it really could be, Lift, and you're not. Yeah, carrying you know. around a seven-pound baby or a, you know, a, a, a one-stone baby. Yeah, you know, or carrying two yeah. or three, yeah. maybe if you have yeah. multiple children. You yeah. know, any one time crawling around on the floor, picking up bits of Lego. Yeah. You know, or, doing or all the housework <laughs> yourself because you were at home with the children, and now you're out at work, and somebody else does all the yeah. all the housework and things like that yeah I mean all these things have an impact and just you know touching on the the sleep thing um you know if 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 you're you're not sleeping as well that has a massive impact back on on um how you react to what you want to eat the next day um maybe if you've not slept you're reaching for the coffee more often you're reaching for a sweet snack to keep you going keep you fueled you know it's all these little things which add up over time to to causing a, a different situation to how it may have been before yeah just so um, spot on there with yeah. the sleep they have uh, yeah. so there's two hormones aren't they that are related yeah. to hunger so there's your ghrelin, ghrelin your which leptin. is your hunger hormone mm-hmm. and it's proven that if you sleep for less than seven hours in the night yep. your ghrelin levels are higher oh, so yeah. that's your hunger gremlin i call it yep. ghrelin gremlin <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then if you sleep for more than seven hours a night and that is the average that we seem to need then your leptin levels are are more healthy and then you are more satisfied by normal the food, food yeah. you you don't crave specific things to get you through the day and that alone it could be to blame couldn't it if you're not sleeping as well if there's more worries in your life if you've got children that are going through perhaps more serious things than the Mm. toddler with the sniffly nose that had to miss nursery or or whatever these serious things are that 
come along at this stage in life yeah absolutely you know and then if if anxiety levels are are higher that's going to then affect your ability to fall asleep you know cortisol levels are high which is going to start to affect your circadian rhythm you know it's so interconnected there um there are so many things but that's not to make life and and being healthy complicated but it's just having an understanding that it is more complex than just what you put in your mouth uh, you know and 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 eating healthily there are lots of other things that which may be going on do you know it's absolutely and I think what you're saying there and correct me if I'm wrong but because you've got all of these different facets that you need to take into consideration the prescription if you like Mm -hmm. per person is it is personalized because for one person it may be sleep for another Mm -hmm. person it may be predominantly hormone related Mm -hmm. uh, related to sort of sex hormones so we're talking about perimenopause menopause for another person and it may be to do with their stress hormones you know there are so many different things that people could potentially take as their prescription of which you know things to work on yeah yeah Yeah. and it is different for everybody um and and it does take a bit of time to learn what what you need um so you have to be patient Mm. um and play the long game at the end of the day and going just you know talking about that in, in the sense of the long game is very relevant i think to us mm. in our shall we call it middle age yeah let's yeah, if we have to, <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> um but but the long game seems too long a game for uh, the younger generation and here mm. i'm talking about sort of teens you know this potentially is where anyone's connection with food starts because this is the first time in your life when you actually have to start thinking about what you put in your own mouth would, would you agree with that uh yeah uh, it's it's a funny one isn't it you know having teenagers of my own you know they've been through uh I've got so I've got two teenage girls and a and a younger teen boy or preteen boy um and and they've all got different assets or or facets to how they decide to eat you know that but they all always want to seem to eat junk food you know that might be partly my fault because I've always made them eat healthily for when I had control over them but I don't anymore um, and so they you know they have to make their own choices and I just hope that I have I've taught them enough to that they will come back but you know their relationship with food is all about enjoyment without yeah. a shadow of a doubt it's it's what what is going to give me the most pleasure um instant pleasure yeah and yeah. it is that you like you say it is that instant instantaneous pleasure and you know I, I mean I'm sure there are are many teenagers out there who who whose relationship with food comes back to aesthetics mm. um, and I think in a lot of people that's where it all starts um yeah. And as I say, I, I don't like to call it a relationship with food, but their thoughts and their feelings around food um, is to do with the aesthetics. Yeah, and that's, a, I think, a, a point that, you know, I think we both discussed this separately anyway, mm-hmm. but this idea that comes from all of the different media inputs, yeah. that there is one body, you know, there is yeah. one look. And the fact is, and, and you, you know, you've talked about it earlier on in the show, but you found your body you found yeah. what works for you and it's not because you were looking for a particular shape or a particular look it was because you wanted health and yeah. what came with that was the right body for you that yes. has got to be the key message right absolutely but it, as I say as a teen that wasn't how it was for me it mm. was all about I wanted that one body that I didn't have and I was never built to have that body or mm. that look um and yeah it, but once the health side of it came in it became easier to to understand and, and accept the body that I was given <laughs> um, yeah and uh you know and I am very happy with that now <laughs> so so as the parent of teens do you yeah. think we can equip our children yeah. with tools to help them you made a really good point and I think it's absolutely right you know while while you have your children kind of and you're creating meals and, and feeding them mm-hmm. you know you have let's call it control yeah um over what they eat right and then they go off out into the big wide world and they make their own decisions and quite often they're not necessarily what we would consider the healthiest decisions but at some point you know they do i mean still there'll be meals they have at home that are great meals yeah they they will still probably find themselves at home sometimes making breakfast that isn't pancakes or yeah you know they might actually have a bit of protein or like uh, some good fats or somewhere along and the there line might even be a vegetable on the plate if you're there really might lucky <laughs> there happen to be some already pre-prepared yeah. which is one of those things that I do quite a lot I treat my yeah. fridge like a shop window yeah um very wise <laughs> but do you think there are things tools that we can equip that generation with knowing what we know now knowing what you see now yeah 
Definitely. Uh, um, I think it starts uh, a lot younger than that. I think um, if I'd have known what I know now when I was weaning my children um, and, you know, those first those first five to seven years I would have done probably differently but I didn't know enough then um so I would uh, expose them to to much more variety of fruits vegetables colorful foods um flavors textures I would have I would have done it very differently um so I think it starts back then so just for example just getting them used to textures tastes flavors and and giving them a real um you know exposure to to as much as I possibly could um and then I think the next thing is to teach them to cook get them in the kitchen because if they don't know their way around the kitchen they will they they won't they won't bother to learn themselves it is it needs to be to be taught and they need to be seeing you doing it and knowing that it's not as complicated as they might think it is or how uh, recipes might seem um, it's just getting them involved uh, as early as possible in the kitchen and equip them with some basics that they can then um, you know enjoy and, and know that it doesn't take forever to make a, a pasta sauce from scratch um, and they can do that and that they can make choices about the type of pasta that they that they choose for it to be um, a healthier option than the white pasta that they may choose if they weren't more educated yeah 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 I get that so it's that you know it's that education of of, of choices of what you buy in the shops and the um, the education in the kitchen and giving them the basic skills to, to feel comfortable and confident enough in the kitchen so that when they do leave and move on and make their own choices, you know, when it's not a takeaway, that they know what to do. Because they know. won't be able to afford to, to eat takeaway all, all the time. No, sorry, <laughs> so sorry kids. To, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, we're going to show you how to pimp up some beans yes. now. Um, but, you know, I think that's absolutely you know, spot on. I think there's almost a show, isn't there, and the things I wish I'd known when I oh, was absolutely. weaning or younger or even younger than that. You know, mm. and I think there's proof now, isn't there, that even like maternal diet and even uh, preconception diet yes. can have an effect on, on you know, babies' yeah. development health. and and yeah. then child's health totally. and gut health that's a whole nother subject um but we didn't know uh, yeah. that then and i'm sure that you know the next generation can learn from that i mean you know you talked about greater exposure you've talked about colors and textures i think absolutely brilliant mm. i think the one of my bugbears was the fact that um certainly with my eldest one of the sort of trends at the time was to provide even when you started weaning was to go in with a vegetable then a fruit so you set this expectation that there would be something savory and then something sweet, sweet. yeah the the lucky thing on on my part is that that my eldest is probably the one with the least sweet tooth so she still sometimes does want something afterwards but less so yeah um her brother however grew up the same way more like me you mm -hmm. know and just wants that kind of something sweet after a meal yeah. and that's a kind of habit you know yes, that needs same. yeah it, it happens doesn't it it does um and it's having strategies to to not to not fight against that mm. you know um but to just make a good choice with that um so you know instead of diving for a bar of chocolates or a bowl of ice cream it would be for me now it's it's to choose um you know a, a dried fruit or something like that or a piece of fresh fruit you know I mean my my healthy snack of, of an evening if I need something sweet at the moment is a, a prune with a walnut stuffed in shoved Whoa, inside and, that. and that's all it takes you know one little prune a bit of uh, a one half a walnut you know with a cup of tea or whatever and that's that's me done whereas before it would have been a bowl of ice cream with a load of chocolate on the top maybe I don't know <laughs> or a barrel of biscuits <laughs> and your children obviously watch you do that um do they does that rub off on them at all do you think as they get a little bit older do they start to go hmm prune and walnut that's my first choice <laughs> what do you think the answer to that is Jenny <laughs> not at the moment but ice cream I, yeah. with prune and walnut yes um, <laughs> no um they they had to the they had still had to the biscuits um but I try to put healthy biscuits in the in in the biscuit tin if I can um but generally you know they they I, ha I have to let them make their own choices because they will they that's the only way they're going to learn I can't force them to do uh, to eat anything that I want them to eat they have to make their own choices you know they're 17 15 and 11 now yep. the 11 year old still you know I, I, I can provide him with food because he is too young and a boy and can't be bothered um so yeah 
you know they have to make their own choices i, I let yeah. them get on with it now I, I agree i also think when you have the right incentive you know for me growing up i i clearly am not a boy but i had <laughs> quite a, a, a tomboyish attitude to life you know mm. i i wasn't the most um, girly girlies of girls no i wasn't the most feminine of girls yeah um you know i didn't want dolls i I remember very clearly one of my Christmases, my parents painted me a wigwam and gave me uh, a costume for a, a, yeah. a Native American. Thought that was quite sweet, but that was very me. <laughs> but the point being that it did take me a while to kind of make that connection. And I think certainly that when I actually was bothered about food was when I got into sport. Yeah, you know, so there was an objective there, and I think yeah. sometimes that's what it takes. It takes having a reason to want to, to eat well or to want to eat healthily, which is way, way, way outside of weight. It's to do with achieving things Uh, it does and and that's something I never had I was never ever ever into sport I hated all all types of sports so that that was never there for me so food was was just about pleasure really um you know and and yeah as as a child but as you know as I my health journey and my fitness journey has has gone on um it it has changed and so I do now you know you you ask about my relationship with with food now or my thoughts and feelings around food now is about um fueling my body correctly for health so you know that's making sure I've got getting all the the right nutrients in my body um to make my body work effectively and efficiently for long-term health but now also with the with the fitness side of it it's on a short-term basis is is fueling my body for um for the exercise and the fitness goals I have um and and changing my body shape and tweaking it because I know I'm in a position where I I'm at that stage in my journey yeah and you can and you're equipped with the knowledge yes. you're yeah. the tools you know what you're yeah. doing and that's really empowering isn't it, it is really empowering it is it is and and at the end of the day it is a journey that that actually doesn't have any end your your health journey is is continuous mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's important it's not about working towards a goal and then that's it and then we're done that's it yeah that's yeah. it so i'm banging the <laughs> table because i get, yeah, bang. get passionate well, look, about this yeah let's take a break um and we'll be back just in a moment and we'll be talking about some of the tips that you can recommend for our listeners to put in place um to have a, a good a connection with the food that they eat windsor, windsor. Ascot. ascot maidenhead, maidenhead. bracknell, bracknell. Woke Wokingham, Henley, Reading. Okay! Ta-da. The voice. River Radio. Of the Thames Valley. Okay, so welcome for those that are just joining us. My name is Jenny Tishi. I'm a nutritionist and author of several cookery books. And this is Let's Do Lunch. I'm joined today by Joe Keys. This show is all about food and nutrition, but today we've chosen a particular topic um, because Joe, albeit focuses on a wide variety of different areas, one of the areas that she focuses on is uh, the connection between the brain and food and our relationship and our behavior around food um, and improving that relationship. And so we're going to be taking a little uh, step deeper. We're going to be talking right now about some of the um, tips that you can give people who think, do you know what, actually... I would like to focus on this area. It's mm. something I haven't necessarily, you know, focused on. Mm. Just during one of the breaks earlier on the show, we were talking about I'm one of a big family. I have uh, several sisters, um, three sisters. How greedy of me, three brothers. <laughs> um, but my sisters in particular, I think when they all got to, and they're all older than me, they all got to, um, well, now two of them menopause and one perimenopause, had never had to worry about their weight. Um, luckily so, never ever had to worry about their weight. And then suddenly they were, oh, hold on, this is different. I wasn't expecting this. And um, three out of the four of us, are in the world of food so we're surrounded by it working in it one even cooking it every day for other people um so you know it's always on your mind but I mean how for people like you know my my siblings for example like how do you look at this as a as a subject matter how do you go well I've, I've not really thought about this but now I need to think about this where do you start with it uh yes it's it's a bit like a five-step plan no like (laughs) well I love a five-step plan you've got one Uh, well first of all without a shadow of a doubt you have to start um with awareness yeah you know I think I've mentioned this before already um but you have to bring some awareness to what you're doing um there has to be an acceptance also of the fact that this is a long-term plan nothing's going to change overnight um and if 
you do kind of go down the sort of trying to make changes drastic changes you're not going to be able to sustain them long term and we're talking here about long term um, long term changes that are going to stick so it's bringing awareness to what's currently going on um, and the way that you can do that um, is is actually to start tracking food and mm-hmm. I'm not talking about calorie counting I'm not talking about anything about that it is just actually becoming aware and writing down or taking photos of what you're actually eating well I like the idea of taking photos because writing it easier. down sometimes seems like a lot of hassle but yeah. Yeah. taking you photos forget. we all do that every yeah. day well certainly I do yeah. my part of my job but yeah that makes sense yeah okay. so, so kind of just keeping a little file for for at least a week of everything that you're eating um and and then sort of also checking in on your activity levels um so seeing where you're being active and where you're not being active and and how you're actually spending your time um so those kind of things so I'm not just talking about bringing awareness to what you're eating but just bringing a whole awareness to to what your day entails you know and you can do this by journaling as well to because we want to sort of find where the feelings are in connection with that mm-hmm. um and and how you're sleeping as well maybe so a bit of journaling a bit of photograph tracking is a great way to just start and then once you've got that you can then start to to look at where there are areas that you uh, maybe would like to make changes and it's at this point where you know where if you don't know and you don't have the knowledge you you go and find some experts mm-hmm. um, like yourself <laughs> or me or you know or, or just um, do a bit of extra reading around a particular area where you think but actually, once we sit down and we're faced really with the cold truth of what's going on, we probably do know a lot more than we think we do. Um, and then it's about being really honest with yourself um, and taking responsibility for the choices that you are making. Um, so once you can start taking responsibility for that, nobody's forcing you to do any of the things that you do. So it's all about what you've chosen to do um, and to take responsibility for those choices. Um, and if you've chosen for for example, to have a cake, that's absolutely fine. That's just a choice. Don't start talking to yourself negatively about it. Um, And so it's taking responsibility for how you're talking to yourself. This is where the journaling comes in. Um, and, And then you can see where you can start to make changes. And then it's about making very small changes one at a time don't try to do 15 things in one week because it's not going to work and then you're going to feel disappointed um so it's you know being realistic about the small changes that you can make over time um and then keep reflecting back yeah yeah and having someone to to be accountable to really helps as well um so set yourself a a goal for the week and Mm -hmm. that might just be to for example maybe to up the amount of water you're drinking that week um that's that's week one that's all you have to do yeah and then week two continue with that but maybe add something else in but keep reflecting back on what else is going on and keeping track of what's going on Mm. um and then you will start to make progress so do you ever find that with them your clients they have that kind of aha moment just one day almost like roadmap how they've got to where they've got to and you know look at the pictures look at the journaling Mm -hmm. and it's actually really evident just from that yep people are quite shocked or surprised by you um yes um it you know, you know positively and negatively um right. and, and it's about it's about checking in on, on both of those so we need to also you know big ourselves up it's not all do, it can't possibly all be doom and gloom I'm telling you it's not but you mm. might be telling yourself it is but once you've you're clearly you know have it in front of you because we're very good at deleting stuff so if I asked you to write down everything you had to eat yesterday or everything you did yesterday Mm -hmm. you wouldn't remember yeah we you know we're very good at not remembering everything as it were you know and we delete selective memory selective that's the word (laughs) I'm looking for um and so you know when we're actually you know faced with the cold truth of what's going on then yeah and definitely you get those aha moments Mm. definitely um and one of the biggest ones is is that taking responsibility yeah actually i I, I was gonna say that i can imagine it's so empowering yeah i can imagine people also relying on that ability to blame somebody else something else the environment anything else really for the reason why they had that or the reason why they had that so yeah even the food that they've had is, is, a, is a source of guilt, yep. then, you know, the reasons that they ended up having 
or creating that guilt is because yeah. my car wasn't working or, you know, I had extra email to deal with at work or there was road rage or, you know, there's always something else. But to your yeah. point, it's being accepting of taking and taking responsibility for the good and the bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and the excuses thing is, is so real. We all do it. Yeah. You know, it's my, well, my husband does the cooking or, you know, uh, I couldn't get to the shops or I didn't have time. Well, how long did you spend on social media mm. that day? Um, well, uh, well, only two hours. So so you wouldn't have had time to um, to go to the shops or, or cook a meal or, you know, and it's having, so identifying those areas. Yeah. And then having a strategy for when those th- those same situations happen again Mm -hmm. so you know um another great one is is people's um thoughts and feelings and reasons and excuses around snacking yeah um that that's a that comes up quite a lot um and okay so you need a snack you know that you need a snack as soon as you finish work so you go to the shop every day because you walk past it on the way to the car and you buy a packet of crisps and a bar of chocolate um well how about we no, we do that every day. So let's take something to work with us um, so that we've got something so that while we're walking past the shop, we're nibbling on something that is a better choice. Yeah. Um, and just having that Filling plan that in gap. place. Yeah. 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 Or we change the way we walk to the car yeah. so that we don't walk past that shop anymore. Yeah. Um, we had, I had one lady who, who did that um, and she, you know, it was going to the hairdressers, which she did quite regularly. Um, and that was a complete habit. She would go into that shop and, every time that she went to the hairdressers and she would go and buy herself a treat and then she changed the way she walked to the hairdressers and then that habit was broken it seems so obvious totally but the point is it is so obvious therefore it's so simple to change right that's that's the important thing we can change things really easily when we know what we're doing when we know what we're doing um a couple of things i wanted to ask you about do you um talk about things like stomach hunger and you know so like emotional hunger versus real hunger is that yeah. something that you help people with? Yeah, very much so. And that's about listening to your body and and pressing the stop button before you have your hand in the cookie jar, for example. So there's a, a few things that you can do with that. Um, one of them being um, to move where you would, if, if you if that is something that you do, um, and you you know you reach for the snacks, is move where you put the snacks so if they're in the kitchen right next to the right next to the the, you know the biscuit barrel for example is right next to the tea caddy every time you boil the kettle your hands in there if that biscuit barrel's not there yeah and it's somewhere else across the other side of the kitchen or even in the utility room which is down the hall (coughs) it's much more difficult for you it breaks the pattern totally breaks the pattern yeah that's Um, interesting so that you know so that's one thing you can do um and uh but it is always just about because people don't even know they're doing it most of the time mm. um, or, or let alone why they're doing it and so that you know that is just habitual yeah exactly that's it's not stomach become hunger. the norm yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's finding ways to to put a stop on it before you've done it um so uh, and then actually asking yourself the question am i actually hungry yeah have a drink of water or have that cup of tea um, and then decide whether you need anything to eat with it. And if you do, make sure you've got something, um, you know, ready, like chopped up vegetables or a piece of fruit that is going to be a better choice. Mm. I'm not saying don't have a snack. We're saying just make the right choice. Yeah, because if you're hungry, you genuinely Absolutely. hungry, you're going to yeah. need something. Yeah. But the, the hunger I always think of is when I was younger, we had a field behind our house and we used to go and play in this this field. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was an old um, brick factory that was in the field previously. Yeah. So we used to call it the bricky, if anybody else grew up in St Albans. Um, <laughs> and we used to go over there and play, but we'd be... By the time we were called in for our tea, we were so Starving. hungry. Mm. I mean, there was never a time that we re- that we refused what we were being given. Yeah, because we were so hungry, and we all we wanted to do was eat, and everything tasted, as far as I can remember, amazing. Yeah, that's proper hunger. Yeah. And so, whenever we, I we're think, not very good at that anymore, are well, we? Well, I don't think we are because we're so surrounded by food. You know, yeah. it's impulse buys. Look, shops are designed to make us want to buy, um, you know, uh, bars of chocolate yeah. and, and crisps on the go uh, wherever we go. But but even uh, even if you online shop, you know, yeah. everything is designed to make you want to purchase yeah. impulsively rather than absolutely. You know, based on any other instinct. We've had uh, we've had clients who um, who uh, who eat and snack because they're scared of being hungry. When yeah. you delve down into what's really going on, they're actually scared of being hungry. 
Yeah, I've heard that too. And I've it's heard that too. And it, it's it, they don't even realise that that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Um. You know, and Gosh. then you can usually track that back to when they were a, a child, and mm. maybe they were in a family where um, there was lots of children and there wasn't much food around, mm. um, and so they would be not getting enough food yeah scarcity um, and it so does, it, yeah. yeah so mm. in their in their adult years they they don't let themselves get hungry because they're that you know and it's a hangover from something that happened as a child oh, which is often the way they you know you can track track these things back right joe do you know what it's been wonderful talking to you i'm gonna just uh, finish off the show with my quick fire questions which oh. i always just love i love the instinctive response um to these <laughs> okay so what would be your death row meal ice cream <laughs> just ice cream yeah. there'd be no uh, courses to it no courses no ice cream um with um something crunchy on the top so um maybe a, a rum, yeah a rum and raisin with um some nuts on the top love it what's your least favorite food i like most foods but um i'm not a big fan of tuna oh interesting yeah um what's your most favorite food ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah we gathered <laughs> who is your biggest inspiration in what you do in what I do, um, oh gosh, uh, it's it's going to have to be family, really. I mean, that's not not why I got into it, but now that's the inspiration for why I continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband inspires me on the on the fitness side of things, um, and I suppose from the past, you know how how my parents were to make sure that I'm as healthy as I possibly can in later life um, and to be able to teach my children that it's so important yeah. um, so I think you know past and present family have all been a bit of an inspiration around wanting to stay fit and healthy I love that looking both ways I love it um, your favourite restaurant even if you haven't Gosh. been there where would you like to go uh, well now what I would say is Le Manoir which I'm nice. actually I've only been once but we're actually going back oh, I shouldn't say this. He doesn't know yet, but we're going back. He won't be listening. <laughs> Don't listen, um, <laughs> whoever it is that you're taking. A my he. Husband. I'm hoping it's, yeah, uh, there we yeah. go. So the Manoir, um, I love that. Orwell's in um, in Reading, just outside Reading, love that. Yeah. Um, and the White Oak in Cookham, I love just realised he, he can't listen to this now, can he? No, Never he mind. can't. Uh, the White Oak in? Cookham. Cookham, brilliant. And your favourite chef? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm not a big fan of celebrity chefs. I have mm. to say that um, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this one. It would have to be Joe Witten. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Probably because Love when I first got my uh, Thermomix, um, she, you know, she was the, I love her recipe books. She just makes life seem so simple. And she has so much going on. And, oh, my you know, gosh. I just think she? she's incredible. You know, so homeschooling a- and cooking and just being so normal and so real and I absolutely love her cookbooks we should give her a shout out to Jay Witten quirky cooking quirky if you cooking. want to check her out she's got a massive social media following yeah. and rightly so she yeah. does a great job doesn't she, she? Does. really really good healthy yeah. food and she's she's got a great journey herself actually she'll be somebody I will get uh, onto the show oh, but wow. with the time difference I was say, she's, she's based in Australia in far north Queensland it could be quite interesting um Joe, wonderful wonderful to talk to you um I Thank would love to be me. able to oh it's always always a pleasure um it'd be great if people want to connect with you how do they do that um well my business is actually although i've been talking about menu and mind a lot my actual business uh, is time to nourish so you can find me on facebook instagram um under the name of time to nourish nice and easy yeah and people can get lots of inspiration from you you post great recipes you do some videos from yeah. time to time and yeah i do and um i've got a free facebook group called the time to nourish tribe um which is always a vibrant place to be. Um, yeah, post in there all week, you know, every day of the week. Um, There's just, loads of inspiration there, which I love yeah. that. But you we also talk- do uh, things like fridge fills um, and food to order and things. Yeah, um, I'm not doing food to order so much these mm-hmm. days, actually. Um, but what I am doing, um, because I so love to teach people and, and to be able to provide food for people, I get people into my kitchen um, on a sort of one-to-one or two-to-one basis so you and a friend can come and cook with me in the kitchen Brilliant. and then you get to go home with all the food. Oh, do you know what? It's brilliant to talk to you. I feel inspired. I'm going to go and have something lovely and healthy for lunch now. Yeah. Um, so if you are uh, interested in uh, hearing more um, from us, I'm sure I'll get you back on the show again, Joe, because you're just lovely to talk to and always have something different in you to say. Yeah, yes. um, do download this podcast. Uh, this is Let's Do Lunch on River Dot Radio. You can find this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you normally download your podcasts. It'd be wonderful to get any feedback. And if you want to leave a review, even 
better. Um, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, I'm Jenny Tishi and I am signing off. Lunch. Lunch will keep us together. There's no meal that's better. Just give me a fork and a spoon. It's almost noon. Make me some food cause I wanna eat soon. Just stop. Cause I'm really hungry. Food.